Hello, and welcome to episode 106 of the Casual Tryhard Podcast. I'm Brian. And I'm James. And it's Keldheim time! Yay! We get new magic cards! What's uh, what's yay in Norse? Uh, I don't know. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> if, you're, if you're Norse, sorry if you were like Norsist there. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't mean Norsist. to be. If you'd like to cancel us on Twitter, you can get at us at Casual Tripod. <laughs> sure, Facebook might ban us on uh, Casual Tryhard MTG. Uh, you can also drop us an email if you'd like to and tell us how narcissist we are. Just at, direct uh, show, hate mail. Yeah, show at casualtryhardmtg.com. Uh, don't forget, if you guys are looking to pick up any singles from Kaldheim, which I know you are, please use our TCG Player affiliate link tcg.casualtryhardmtg.com anything you purchase after following that link will help us support the show we got a tcg kicks us back a little sliver up to help keep the show rolling if you guys like the show uh, please consider supporting the show more directly by becoming a patron even if it's you know just a couple bucks whatever you can scrape together it uh, it'll really help us grow the show a little bit i'm hoping that once we get to start playing in paper we can we have a couple ideas for uh like an overarching episode series that I'm hoping will grow the show a bit and Patreon will help us do that. So please consider chipping in. Patrons get early access to our show notes. Usually I post them up uh, the day before the show goes live. So you guys get a sneak peek as to what we're going to be talking about. You also get to listen to us ramble on and on and on during pre-show about what's going on in our normal everyday lives. And some of you guys have received them already. I got a, a couple messages on discord but I sent out our first round of itty bitty patron gifts. So I hope you guys enjoyed those and there'll be more to come. Yeah. Yeah. These be, I thought uh, they were pretty cool. Yeah. I, I like them. I don't know exactly. I know exactly. I, I know what you got, but I don't know yeah. exactly like which of them you sent out. Well, I, I went in order, if that makes sense to you. Okay. So one from you and one from me. Yep. Okay. Yep. So you got the, but you're gonna it's a it's a set from me it's a, it's a very yeah, specific I, set I, I typed out a nice little letter and uh, i told them that they'd have to guess the theme oh okay okay we'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> let them we'll see if they get to it like once they get to the yeah. island it should be pretty obvious but yeah, uh we'll, we'll so. see well the the forest is pretty good too the forest is pretty good so there you I, go i was down at the game store over the weekend and i ended up with a whole slew of zendikar promo pack arena codes so i got a bunch of them to get out hop on over to our discord channel should be a link in the description there's a link on facebook and a link on twitter um, if you guys can't get in shoot us a message some other way and we'll send you an invite link to get into our discord uh, but if you post up and we have a freebies room in our discord if you post up in there saying you're looking for the zendikar promo packs i don't think i'll run out so I'll send you, you're allowed four per account. Anybody that posts up in there and wants Zendikar promo pack codes, I'll send you four of them. So free stuff. Okay. So we have a collection of cards from Keldheim to go through that we thought were interesting, that people in Discord or on Facebook asked us to talk about, mm -hmm. or that the world of magic has been kind of buzzing about and we wanted to get our two cents worth in. Yeah. So we're pretty much organized by color? Kind of, sort of. We skip around a bit towards the end. Um, I played around with the format for the episode a little bit. 
Um, normally we do everything by color and then we'll do some listener cards at the end. This time I went a little bit different. I incorporated some of the listener cards in with the by color in the beginning. And then at the end, we're going to talk about some synergy stuff instead of just single cards. Okay. So we're starting with white. Mm -hmm. And the first card is the new wrath. Doomscar. Yep. So it's three white white for Mm -hmm. a sorcery. Destroy all creatures. Or is it? Or is it? Uh, And and it has Fertel. Right. So two mana to exile it, and then it's Fertel cost. The cast from exile is one white white. Yep. Now you can't, with Fertel, you can't cast it on the same turn. It has to be a later turn, right? Yeah. So... With instance, though, like you could foretell it on your turn and then cast it on your opponent's turn, like in right. the same turn cycle. But yeah, you couldn't just like I don't know why you'd want to like foretell Doomscar and then cast it. Well, I mean, there's stuff that cares about foretelling cards. Yeah, but and there's I guess there are some foretell cards that are cheaper or change yeah. the the overall mana cost instead of being like two black black they end up being like three Four and a black. black. Yeah. Right. So Doomscar is. What had been the like going rate for a wrath mm-hmm. from cons until uh, Kaya's wrath? Uh, uh, yeah, I think so. Well, yeah. until no, not Kaya's wrath. Um, if you want Bantu's to say, last stand, uh, Bantu's yeah, but I mean it had the downside of it tap the all your none of your lands on yeah. tapped. Yeah. Right. It's a pretty big downside. Yeah. Saw no play. Yeah. So, like, I think Kaya's Wrath, like, Settle the Records is kind of a weird Wrath, but, like, Kaya's yeah. Wrath is the, like, first four mana removal spell, and it was white, white, black, black. Right. Uh, well, first four mana removal spell since cons. Because they mm-hmm. had said, like, yeah, we don't want to do four mana Wraths anymore because Man Supreme Verdict was miserable. Yeah. And, then and they were, that like, was. The previous like four mana wrath right that was the most recent one yeah before yeah. kaya's wrath in the shadow of the sky yep so like five mana is kind of what we have expected from wraths in the past mm-hmm. in standard and this one like just fits that bill but the fact that i guess there's a chance against like gruel where you could like foretell it and then sweep up their board on three yeah as opposed to being dead, which is probably a pretty big deal. Yeah, and kill like a pelt collector, a robber of the rich, and a spellbreaker. Yeah, seems pretty good. Or whatever, whatever's in Gruel now. Is it like yeah, goose, robber, Kazandu mammoth? Yeah, probably or something. Right. Yeah. So like that flexibility is good. Like it does hurt you having to take off turn two. Yeah. Like, later, in, if you don't get it early, it comes harder to get that discount. Mm-hmm. Let's say you, like, play a two-mana removal spell on turn four, and then you can foretell this, and then in a turn yeah. when you need a wrath, you can, like, wrath for three mana, and then mm-hmm. maybe have four mana or three mana left over to then, like, develop out your board. Yeah. As opposed to just having to sink your entire turn into your wrath. Doomstar, Yeah. Now, it is kind of interesting that the foretell cost and the cost to foretell add up to exactly the mana cost here. So 
like it's not really forcing you to foretell it. Like if you draw it later, you don't have to foretell it. You can just cast it. Yeah. Like you get the discount, like if you get to do it on two. Right. And just wait. Yeah. But like uh, you don't need the discount. It's like kind of costed at what we've come to expect. Yeah. For these cards. Yeah. An interesting um, thing is, is a lot of times like aggro decks will maybe use like hand disruption to mm-hmm. like try to get yeah. wrath. Right yep. now, like, you can't, like, play your one drop and, mm-hmm. like, be like, okay, I'll just wait till turn two or turn three to, like, try to work my discard spell in because yeah. they can just hide it by foretelling it. Yeah, duress won't hit it. Yeah. And they have nothing that interacts with cards in the foretell zone or whatever. Right. Well, not on Arena, we don't. Yeah. Is there anything in any set? Yeah, Wasteland Strangler. Okay. Oh, yeah. It- he ingests stuff from uh, BFC notes. Yeah. yeah. So I have kind of one one comment and question for you, and it'll kind of lead into the next card here. And that's that typically the decks that are in a market for definitely a five mana wrath, but usually a four mana wrath also, are going to be more control decks. So like a control deck, what does a control deck normally do on turn two? Like, what are you sacrificing? But, like, what as a control deck, what are you giving up to foretell this on turn two? In standard right now, you're giving up Birth of Miletus as, like, okay. blocker plus, like, way to make sure you hit your third land drop. Yeah. Or, like, the kind of generic thing that you do on turn two is a lot of times you're going to hold up your essence scatter yeah type card like your conditional two mana counter spell mm-hmm. or you know in white sometimes like some sort of conditional like exile based removal so like seal away was a thing that they that would happen on two a lot yeah back in the day so but i would say it's usually holding up some sort of counter some sort okay. of interaction yeah like a negate or like you said an essence scatter or something yeah just a way to like interact cheaply to like snag their three drop. Yeah. And like if you're leaving or if you're foregoing an essence scatter, there's not really a downside to Doomscar. There's, I mean, they're going to get whatever value they get out of their two drop for a turn, but yeah, there's not. But I don't know. I think if you're on the like if you're on the draw mm-hmm. and you get to like get their two and their three drop with what essentially is like your, your wrath on, on quote unquote three. Like you're pretty happy with that. Like having not gotten to essence scatter their three. Right. I guess being on the, on the play, like it still just eats your whole like fourth turn on some level to like get their three drop. Right. So like on the drop might be better because you're going to get their two and their three. Yeah. Uh, and like have your fourth turn available to like all that mana to do something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like you're usually developing your mana or holding up some sort of like counter spell on two. I guess I was thinking like in the past, typically control decks have played a whole bunch of tap lands. And that's normally what they did on like turns one and two was play to tap land. Oh, no, there's absolutely going to be like the awkwardness of your mana base you know you have like 
two temples in your opening yeah. hand and like or you have like two temples and then uh one of the mdfc lands yeah and you like don't want to go tap land mdfc land so you can play your like foretell your spell and then like play your tap land on three because that kind of defeats the purpose mm-hmm. okay so yeah that will be awkward with like the the temples and uh like fabled passage yeah makes it kind of awkward yeah so kind of what we're laying out is going to be what i think is going to be a typical play pattern for doomscar is to make sure you you foretell it on two and then you know when it's right to pop it you know whether it's turn three or four you know whenever they've built their board out pop it but i think foretelling on two in this case is pretty important right yeah so you have the flexibility to do on on your turn three or turn four yeah Right, because you don't want to then like you don't want to like foretell it on four. Like you could get with like foretelling it later, but yeah, but I think it loses some value if you're foretelling it later on, though. Yeah, because like at some point it's just like oh, I could have just spent this five right. mana all in one turn. Yeah. Right. I'm not getting like a. I'm not getting to cast it early. Mm-hmm. Right, because I think the benefit of being able to foretell it on two is you're getting to do something that you normally wouldn't get to do on turn three. Right. Or well, like on turn five, hold up interaction and yeah. then pop this. Like, you know, cast this with a negate backup or something. Yeah. Like, whereas like having to like foretell it on four and eating like half your turn four so that you could hold up the negate backup might be the right thing to do, but it's not going to feel. Yeah great yeah so the reason that i wanted to talk about talk about doomscar in the vein of like control decks and specifically the timing was this next card which is starnheim unleashed it's two white white for a sorcery and says create a four four white angel warrior creature token with flying and vigilance so for two white white you make a sarah angel And it says, if this spell was foretold, create X of those tokens instead. And this is foretell for XX white. So for three mana, it makes one four four. For five mana, it makes two four fours. For seven mana, it makes three four fours. Yes. Like the reason that I kind of wanted to talk about this right after the last one and talk about control in particular is Doomscar, I think, really rewards you for foretelling it on turn two, where, like you said, you want to get the discount in a later turn. Whereas Sternheim Unleashed is almost a completely different spell when you foretell it, and you don't really want to cast it until you've got the game under control. So, like, this is your finisher. So if you end up with two extra mana on turn five or six or whatever, you're not... Like you're not really gonna miss that two mana because you still have some form of interaction or card selection to do with the rest of your mana. And then, you know, whenever you end up having everything under control, you make a bunch of angels and squish. Yeah, so you could see uh like a play pattern where let's say on an earlier turn oh, I forget what it's called. There's a fertel oh, there we go. Behold the multiverse, right? Yep. It fertels for two and then you can cast it for two. 
So, mm-hmm. like, you could do something where on your turn four, you're like, okay, I'm going to foretell my Starnheim Unleashed. Yep. And I'm going to be able to hold up my Negate slash Essence Scatter. Mm-hmm. Plus also be able to cast this Behold the Multiverse. Yeah. In, like, my turn four window. Right. So, like, you're using half your mana to foretell, but you're also, like, that other half your mana is, like, spoken for. Where mm-hmm. it's like, well, I can cast my draw spell or I can cast... Uh, my counter spell or some other piece of interaction yep. and then you can just wait on starnheim unleashed mm-hmm. until like you said you've wrath the board and killed a bunch of stuff and they're like to no cards in hand and yeah. you can just be like okay i have to fade like a draw step i'm gonna do this for nine and i'll kill you next turn yeah or uh, yeah x equals x equals four and just be like, okay, I'll kill you. Right. It it's very much in treat the angels. Yeah, that that was the other thing that I was going to compare this to is in treat. Like, depending on how much card selection is in your deck, and I know we're talking about older formats with a lot, a lot better card selection, but this is kind of easier to set up in treat. It is right. Like if you just get it in your like anywhere you play it, right? You don't have to like float it on top of your deck, right? Or like brainstorm it back on top. You just get to like set it aside when you draw it. You're just like, okay, this is taken care of now. I'll see you later. Yeah. Again, like it's also not something where uh, you get stuck with your finisher in your hand early in the game and like leave it vulnerable to uh, hand disruption. Yeah. Right. So you're just like, oh, I have this. I'm going to set this over here. And now your, you know, duress thought sees opponent just doesn't have any way to interact with it. If they didn't mm-hmm. get it like immediately, like if it wasn't in your hand, turn one. Yeah. Right. You know, you just hide it and then they burn all their hand disruption on the cards that you that you have. And then this is just always sitting there safe. Yeah, there's nothing they can do about it. Yeah, which is kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Like, it really, like, like hand disruption is good early and, like, bad late. But right. if, like, the most impactful spell in your matchup, you can just hide from hand disruption. Yeah, it makes it really awkward. Especially yeah, but... since, like, right now, hand disruption, like, the only main deck hand disruption is Anguish. Was it? Uh, or Agonizing Remorse? Yeah. And, I mean, that's not fast enough it's two mana yeah yeah but like even in like pioneer like for doomscar right like a mono black aggro deck if they don't catch you like with their hand disruption like on turn one you can hide your wrath and then sweep up their board on three yeah a lot of times for the aggro player it's more important to get you know that early damage in so they'll wait for their discard spell until they can squeeze it in with another threat or something yeah and you know if you're really concerned about a single card, right, like mm-hmm. their Wrath, right, you're going to want to wait till, okay, they're going to play a, a four-mana Wrath, let's say. Well, you want to wait till their, till turn three because that's giving yeah. them the most chances to draw it. Right. And this, you're just like, okay, hide it. You can't interact. Same with Starnheim Unleashed. If you're like, okay, they have, like, two ways to kill me in their deck. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, like, you know, bring in Hand Disruption to try to catch it. And then yeah. it doesn't work. Right. So it's, it's awkward. Yeah. 
So I think it's going to so, like changes interactions for those kind of decks. Yeah, I think so too. I think Fortel certainly makes hand disruption weaker. Not that it was super strong in this standard format anyway, but it definitely makes it weaker. So we have a couple more control cards that we're going to talk about, you know, coming up pretty quick here. But we we had one of our listeners, MTG Agro player, wanted to know specifically about blue white control and these Fortel cards. So do you think that, you know, we've talked about it quite a bit now. Um, do you think that like blue white control is, you know, back on the menu? Is it a viable archetype? Does it change at all from like the Yorian piles that we've been seeing? I kind of is this feel, enough of an incentive to make it change? I feel like the Yorian piles are just too powerful, yeah. and I think it depends if the format's really aggro and like mm-hmm. you have to be able to like Doomscar on turn three, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if like Doomscar is enough of an upgrade on Shatter the Sky. Yeah, right. Like you know, you can argue that that one mana is you know worth letting your opponent maybe draw a card mm-hmm. but you know there could just be a world where like the format's too fast yeah and you're like okay i have to like like the best way for me to win is like foretell a doomscar yeah uh there's a card i don't know if it's on our list that could uh very much incentivize you to splitting your wraths okay uh Tybalt Trickery. We talked about it the other day, so I did not include okay. it in the list, but we can talk about it now. But just, it, you know, there might be a situation where Doomscar, even if it's not the best option, because Shatter the Sky might be better because it's just four mana. Right? Yeah. If you're playing against someone who's playing red, they could bring in a Tybalt Trickery mm-hmm. and counter your Shatter the Sky. And if you, you like, uh, like reveal another Shatter the Sky, you don't get to... Um, cast that but if you right. ha- if you reveal a doom scar you do get to cast it right so there could be an argument for like splitting your rats a little bit to increase your chances of hitting one off yeah, of like sense. a trickery yep but yeah you know maybe you want five wraths total and you're like maybe the right split is three shatter the skies and two doom scars or something yeah but like I don't know. I think that the Yorian kind of controlish decks are so powerful and have like such a big like go over the top late game with this blinking Elspeth Conqueror's death. Yeah. I I don't know if Doomscar puts it over the top. The the like maybe you go to like a more streamlined, like classic, just like draw go control deck. Oh I, I mean I definitely think so. Both Doomscar and Starnheim or Starnheim Unleashed are both way closer analogs to like what used to be blue white control than what is currently blue white control. I just worry that like, I don't know what the other good, like, like what's the other good white removal, like glass caskets. Fine. I mean, you, you still get to play Elspeth conquers death. Yeah. I mean, but at you that get point, to play, um, oh, what is it? The, the spirit from Zendikar. Oh, uh, uh, oh, we're more the apparition. Yeah. Yeah, Skyclave yeah. Apparition. But yeah. like those two cards work so well with Urian. Yeah. Is true. it is it better to do like cuz I think like if you're like hard blue white like Doomscar or like you're like eight wrath, right? Mm-hmm. You're like four Shadow of the Sky, four Doomscar, right? Yeah. You're not playing Skyclave Apparition. Right. You've got to get your like, you know, is Elspeth Conquered Death as your planeswalker removal. 
Yeah. And then winning with... Also, though, is like Starnheim Unleashed better than just like having your win condition be Castle Ardenvale? I mean, it's way faster. Yeah. yeah. But like, is it better than just like having your win condition rolled up in your land slot? Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I think that the problem with like blue-white control right now is like recently they've really leaned heavily on planeswalkers right and i don't know what like the there's not like a blue white super controlling planeswalker unless our new planeswalker is better than i think it is the blue white one yeah i don't think it is yeah i I didn't include it on today's list because i don't think it is like how we started this conversation though is a good point i think it depends on how good the aggro decks are because the like blinky Yorian control decks are they kind of prey on the mid range decks that are trying to go big in the mid range. Mm-hmm. Whereas if there's a dedicated aggro deck that's just looking to dead you, a lot of times the Yorian decks can be too slow for that. And something like, you know, wrathing the board on turn three, wrathing the board on turn four, like an aggro deck cannot come back from that. Yeah, like if you like Fratella Doomscar and then you get three creatures on turn yeah. three, and then they're like, "Haha, I held back two you know, creatures, two creatures," and they like play two two drops, yeah. and you're like, "Cool, shatter the sky." Yeah. At that point, the, those creatures probably aren't big enough to like trigger the draw card clause on shatter the sky, so you just like yeah. hard wrath them. And yeah, now and they, they're also empty-handed, and you've still got five cards in your hand. Yeah, like yeah, now they have nothing, and you just get to do whatever you want. Yeah. So, so I think it depends if there is like a good aggro deck in the format that's just looking to dead you on turn four. Um, I think something more akin to what used to be blue white control will be more viable than what is currently blue white control. Yeah, I also think that like with a lot of the ramp we have, right? Like that's always something that like control decks struggle with. Yeah, is like ramp decks because every one of their threats is like must answer, mm-hmm. and eventually you run out of your counter spells. Yeah. And then you like you just can't do anything anymore. No, right? I mean especially lately when all of your threats also draw you cards. Yeah, or like they resolve a Genesis ultimatum and they just draw five cards and all the mana they cast them. Right. And it's like, oh, I guess I lost now. Yeah. They play played a seven mana draw five, cast the spells in your hand. Right. Hmm. Rough. Good talks. Good talk. All right, now for a more aggressive white card. Oh, yeah. Resplendent Marshall. Mm-hmm. So one white-white for a 3-3 flying angel warrior. Oh, that's, a, that's a relevant creature type. That is a relevant creature type. And so when this comes into play or dies, you may exile another creature card from your graveyard. If you do, put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature you control other than Resplendent Marshall, that mm-hmm. shares a creature type with the Exiled card. So okay. it's kind of, it's going to pay you for being tribal angels or tribal warriors. Well, it's each other creature. So it doesn't care if you're an angel warrior. This wants to be in a deck with everything else that's the same. Yeah, fair. So like, like it, it doesn't care. It's not going to get the counter anyway. So it doesn't yeah. really matter. So if it could be rogues, warrior. and you just yeah. 
But it's awkward though that like you have for you to get the ETB trigger, you have to have a creature in your graveyard. Yeah. So like on turn three, like more than likely it's not going to get you the trigger. Right. Right. Because if you go like one two resplendent marshal, mm-hmm. there shouldn't be anything in your graveyard. Yeah, and also your three drop three three flyer in white. Like you don't actively want to put that in your graveyard to get a counter on your team either. Yeah, like, but you have to you like kind of, you kind of want to protect it. Yeah, and you have to exile another creature, so you don't even get to like when it dies, it can't exile itself. Right. Yeah. So, like, you have to have stuff in your graveyard to make this work, mm-hmm. and so white's not great at. Yeah, white's not great Although, at stuff there. You do have um the dog. Yeah. But he's like to make something indestructible, yeah, and yeah, you but, have the was it at a life's bounty kind of does the same thing. Yeah, but they're like awkward, like not, cre- not normal creature types. Like, oh, that's true. Because like, you, then you just get a bunch of like big dogs, get a bunch of two two selfless yeah. saviors, whose yeah. job is to protect your three three flyer. <laughs> yeah, that's awkward. Yeah. So, like, it seems like it's a lot of work for not a lot of payoff, mm-hmm. right? Like, I feel like you have to read this card as a 3-3 three, three flyer for three. Is that good enough? Mm-hmm. And I think the answer is probably no. I yeah. think it's good enough if you get a whole bunch of counters when it comes into play. Then you're at odds. Like, you're like, okay, I want to put a bunch of creatures on the battlefield. And yeah. then I want to have creatures in my graveyard so I can trigger this thing. Yeah. And a lot of times, like, the way White puts a bunch of creatures in the graveyard or uh, on the battlefield is, like, through token generation. Right. Right. So, like, you know. If you're going to have a bunch of soldiers or something that don't necessarily share a creature type with anything. Yeah. And so that makes it difficult. See, I don't yeah. know. Like, I think you just have to read this as, like, you know, a three-mana, three-three flyer. Yeah, it's kind of weird because the stats don't normally you can look at a card and kind of get a feel for what the card wants you to do and like this was the problem that i had with i think when we were trying to evaluate the uh, titans and theros like you look at them and what the card wants you to do isn't necessarily what the card says like this the stats on this card three mana three three flyer say aggro but the text on this card like it's almost impossible to cast this and get value on turn three like Like, you almost want to cast this on turn five after you've traded like a creature or two and built a board out yeah like where it's more like a finisher where it's just like okay this is going to come down and put like four extra power on the battlefield yeah and now i'm going to attack yeah, so just, I, I, I agree, though. It's in the wrong color to set it up, and it seems like it's awkward to set up. Yeah, and, like, I mean, think about how much better, like, I know it was a little harder to catch, but, like, Benelish Marshall. Yeah. Right, it was a 3-mana three 3-3. Three, three. It was groundbound, but all your mm-hmm. stuff just got plus 1, plus 1. Right. Right, like, the setup was play creatures. Right. This is play creatures and have some of them die, please. Mm-hmm. So it's it's awkward. Yeah. So I'm I agree. Not, I think it's awkward. I'm not super sold on this. Is like I don't think this would go in like a white aggressive deck. 
No. Like the only thing that I can think of that's worth pointing out is that Conclave Marshall is still around. Oh yeah, yeah. The green white counters or guy. Conclave Mentor. Yeah. Yeah. Um he was in Core Twenty One, right? So he's still around. Yes. Um, like this kind of plays well with that, mm-hmm. but like you want to have a board built out. Like what is the Conclave Mentor? It's an elf elf something, right? Yeah, I'm not sure. Like I don't even know what deck that wants to be. I don't know. It just seems really awkward. It seems really hard to set up. Yeah. And like the payoff's not like huge. Yeah. Next we have Righteous Valkyrie. What does this one do? Uh this is two and a white for a two four flying angel cleric. Whenever another angel or cleric enters the battlefield under your control, you gain life equal to its toughness. As long as you have at least seven life more than your starting life total, creatures you control get plus two plus two. It's an anthem if you have seven more than your starting if you have twenty seven life. Yeah, what was that? Was it Path of Glory? Uh it was like an enchantment that did something very similar. Okay. Like I think this card is good. I think if you can like gain life, which like white is able to do. Mm-hmm. Right, like this just can make your team huge. Let's say you went like Alcyid into Daxos mm-hmm. into this and then into Linden. Yep. Or right. Heliod or... or Heliod, yeah. Like then you're just like well Linden because then you get all the attack triggers. Oh yeah, and it just makes everybody and It just massive. makes everyone huge probably that turn. You're just like, Oh, yeah. I gain I gain a life for attacking with my Alcyid, I gained a life for having a creature come into play with Valkyrie that I gained like yeah from Daxos and I gained like three life from my attack my team's gonna be huge on uh here Mm -hmm. so like it just feels like there are just curves where it just like blows blows your opponent away yeah and I mean and it's a reason like a two four flyer for three is fine yeah probably more than fine right yeah Yeah. I mean it eats like brazen borrowers and stuff Mm mm-hmm so yeah, I think this is this card's fine. I think it also will probably find a home in like historic life gain. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That deck just gains an absurd amount of life. Oh, and mm-hmm. there's also Speaker of the Heavens. Like you have two one mana life lickers. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah. Um, like, there's another Dexos also. It's like a Noiter Priest or something. Oh yeah. Yep. In uh in historic or in or in I think uh, Oh, anointer! Yeah, there's anointer priest that with the uh, embalm. Oh, yeah, that's not the one I was thinking of. There's a, there's one that's standard legal too. It's okay. a two drop. So yeah, it does there's, the same thing. so there's a like you could just very easily like have a curve where you just like are attacking for fifteen on turn like four. Yeah, like yeah, you're just attacking for lethal. Yep. All right. Uh, Dunford wanted to hear about those last two cards. So. Gotcha. The angels. The angels, yep. All about the angels. Yeah, I think Righteous Valkyrie is probably way better than Resplendent yeah. Marshall. Like, better than the Mythic. Yeah, you see exactly how to build around it, and mm-hmm. those decks have been like almost good enough. Yeah, for a while. Yep. So this could like push it over the top for like the last six months or nine months of this standard. Yep. Next up, uh, MTG Agro player again wants to know if Alrun's Epiphany is the new uh, blue-green ramp payoff. So Alrun's Epiphany is five blue-blue for a sorcery. Uh, create two one-one bird creature tokens with flying. 
take an extra turn after this one, exile Alrun's Epiphany, and it has foretell for four blue blue. I don't know if it's like they're like payoff. I think it's fine. Yeah, I think it's all right. I mean, it. I'm assuming that he's um, like comparing this to Nexus, how the blue green ramp decks were running Nexus of Fate. Yeah. And this is definitely not Nexus. Because it exiles itself. It just doesn't like let you do it over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah, you don't get to loop it with itself, and it's also not instant speed. Yeah. I mean, you do get the two 1-1 flyers, which give yeah. you like kind of a paltry little clock. Yeah. But, yeah, I think that you could definitely see decks ramping into it. But, you know, extra turns are usually really good with, like, Planeswalkers. Mm-hmm. So, like, a Planeswalker-heavy deck that, like, can do this, get the one ones to protect their Planeswalkers and get two activations. Yeah. But, yeah. I, I think that there's probably better things you can be doing in a blue-green ramp deck than yeah. runs it. I agree. I yeah. agree. So, next up is Ascendant Spirit. Mm-hmm. So this is blue for a 1-1. One, one. Yep. That doesn't sound great. Snow Creature Spirit. Okay. You can play pay Snow Snow to make it a... Uh, to turn it into a 2-3. Yep. Permanently. Uh, No. Yeah. Well... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's not right, like till right. end of turn. It just gives a 2-3. Right. Yeah. Then you can play Snow Snow Snow. And if it's... If it's a warrior, so it becomes a 2-3 warrior for Snow Snow. Yep. Then you can play Snow Snow Snow, and if it is a warrior, it becomes an angel that has power, toughness, 4-4, four, four, and gains yep. flying? Or yep. no? Uh, um, you put a flying oh, counter no. on it. Yeah, you put a flying counter on it. Oh, that's weird. I didn't even notice that the first time. A flying counter, so it's like throwback to Ikoria. Yes. Weird. Or that recycle bird. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you can pay Snow, 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 Snow. Mm-hmm. And if it's an angel, you can get, it gets a plus one, plus one counter, or two plus one, plus one counters, and gets whenever it deals damage to a, uh, combat damage to a player, draw a card. Yep. So, so what do you think about the spirit? These kind of cards have seen play in yesteryear magic. Yeah. Um, most recently was was it Warden of the First Tree in Warden, Cons? Warden of the First Tree, and then yep. before that, it's um, what is what is I forget it. The red white hybrid guy. Red white one. Yeah. Something uh, of destiny. Figure of destiny. Figure of destiny. Yeah. Right. They have kind of a long history, but I don't know if current magic like supports this. So I picked this card out. This wasn't one of the listener cards. And the reason I wanted to talk about it and the reason that I think it's relevant is not only is it level up, like level up's good because it's kind of a mana sink. So you play this on turn one, you know, you do whatever else you got going around and none of these say at sorcery speed. Yes, you can just do it whenever. Typically you can only level up at sorcery speed you can hold up interaction, whether it's counter magic or removal or whatever. And then instead of doing something like casting a cantrip, if you know, you don't have something to interact with, you can dump it into this and grow this thing to make it bigger. 
Yeah. Also, what I thought was interesting at this guy is because he's snow. And there are certainly some snow payoffs in this set that I think may be worth building around. Mm-hmm. And this guy might be a pretty good enabler for that as well. Yeah, I was going to say, like, this card kind of screams to me like a mono blue tempo kind of deck. Like, I mean, snow it could be. tempo. Where, like, you play this on one, and then you're holding up, like, your counter spell or your bounce spell or whatever interaction. And if you don't need to mm-hmm. use it, you make it a 2 3. Yeah. And then uh, the next turn, the same kind of thing. You're like, you're holding up a counter spell, and if you need to use it, fine. And if you don't, you have a place to put your mana. Mm hmm. Like, uh, because this thing, because you can activate it at instant speed, you kind of get to play a little mini game with your opponent, too, with, like, threat of activation. Yeah. So you get to swing in, and then, you know, if they're going to, you know, block it or whatever, you can level it up real quick and, you know, either make it survive combat or trade. If they don't, maybe you just let it in, let it get in there for one, and you do something else with the rest of your turn. You can also uh, double activate. So let's yeah, say... You- you play this and you have four snow mana up in your opponent and you go to level it up and your mm-hmm. opponent tries to stomp it in response. Yep, you, can you can level it up it again. Down. It'll become a two, three, it'll take two damage. And then the second activation just doesn't do anything. Well, I mean, it, it resolves. It makes it, it a two, three. It makes it a, it, no, it doesn't because it's not a, Oh, because it's, it's already a warrior. Yeah. Yeah. It's already a warrior. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I guess yeah. it doesn't have the, like, if it's yeah. a warrior text. So, yeah, it would just make it a 2-3 again. It would be yeah. a 2-3 that became a 2-3. So, I know there's some cards that play around with creature types in this set. Is I don't know if it's viable or not, but if you make this thing an angel, you can skip the first two level-ups, right? Although, I guess you wouldn't get the base power and toughness bump, so it would only be a 3-3. Three, three. Yeah, it'd be a 3-3, three, three, and it wouldn't yeah. get the flying counter. True. Oh, it's going to be awkward, like, if we ever played this card in paper, right? It's going to have a flying counter, plus it's going to have plus one, plus one counters. <laughs> yeah. Also, I'm pretty sure... Punch tokens. Yes. Also, I'm pretty sure that if you activate the four, the last ability more than once, it gets multiple iterations of when this creature deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. Oh my god, it definitely does, and it gets extra counters. Yeah, so, like... You could just make wow. it an 8-8 that draws two cards whenever it hits. I didn't notice that. Yeah, so you can just keep hitting the four snow button to make yeah. it bigger. Whew. That's pretty good. This also plays with our favorite card in the set, Jorn. It does. Right? Like, you make it a 2-3, you play your Jorn, and then the next turn you're like, pump it, attack, and then you get to use your mana again. Yeah. To like pump it again. Cause like you could like, you know, Oh, I mean, on you my first potentially main... make it, make it big, big. Yeah. On my first main phase, I'll pay three and make it a four, four. I'll attack, untap my lands, pay four, make yeah. it big. Yeah. So it has that going forward as well, that it plays well with Jorn and it would untap. Jorn would untap it. Yeah. So you'd have like this six, six that like, is going to draw you a card and, be back on blocks. Yeah. It also plays with a couple other cards that I think are kind of sleepers for the snow mechanic that we're going to talk about here in the set coming up. Okay. But moving on, we, we have... have a card that we touched on a second ago, right? We talked yes. about it when we were talking about the foretell stuff. Mm-hmm. 
Behold the multiverse. A... Yep. So three in a blue. Instant. Mm -hmm. Scry two, draw two cards, and then foretell for one in a blue. So yeah. we played Glimmer of Genius, even in decks yep. that didn't care about energy. Yeah. Like, Scry two, draw two was fine enough. Yeah, like this is a standard playable card. Yep. And foretell letting it like letting you squeeze it in on, you know, odd turns. Or, mm -hmm. like, you know, if you don't have interaction to hold up on two, you're just, like, fine for tell it, go. Yeah, I was actually thinking this is probably closer to, was it Hieroglyphic Illumination? Yeah, maybe. Than Glimmer, because, like, you're, you don't get to cash this in for a card right away, but you kind of get to do the same thing, where if you, like, if you don't have the mana to cast it, you can tuck it away for later instead of just cashing it in for one new card. Yeah, what's nice about this is, right, if this is in your opening hand and you have two lands, like, you <laughs> shouldn't miss your third land drop. Right. Because you can, like, foretell it on two, cast yeah. it on three, and you get four looks at your third land. Yeah, up to four, yeah. Yeah, up to four. So, you know, if it's not land, bottom, bottom draw two like you should mm -hmm. hit your land at that point yeah so this card's not super exciting but i think it is a role player in like those blue white foretell decks that we were talking about or some sort of control going forward yeah like any kind of control deck i think this fits in there yeah it's just kind of a role player so i figured we'd mention it yeah after that we have bind the monster it's a single blue mana enchantment aura it's an enchant creature when Bind the Monster enters a battlefield, tap Enchanted Creature. It deals damage to you equal to its power, and it doesn't untap during its controller's untap step. The blue swords to plowshares, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Blue has no color power restrictions. Yeah, I mean, this is just straight-up removal for one mana. Yeah. Um, I don't know that it sees a ton of standard play. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if it did. Like, you were talking about some sort of blue tempo deck with Ascendant Spirit. Like, this would certainly fall into that. Oh, absolutely. Like, this, um, I feel like um, with the banning of, was it Fall from Favor? Mm hmm And Popper, like, this is the best blue removal spell now? Probably. So, like, in Popper, like, I see this probably just fitting right in mm -hmm. as a card that gets played. Yep. But like um, in in any kind of like like I said tempo deck like where you just get to like kill their three drop yeah. and then get to hold up more interaction like this seems great. Yep. the uh, The first thing that jumped to my mind when I saw this card was Death Shadow. Oh yeah, this that's a good is, point. Like exactly the thing that Death Shadow wants to be doing. It wants to play really cheap interaction, and it wants to drain its life total. And yeah. we also have. You know, admittedly, it's a bad Death Shadow, but we have a Death Shadow in Standard right now. Mm-hmm. So, maybe there's a deck there. Yeah. But, no, but, this card is this card is very good. Like, puzzling why they printed it so uh, good. Yeah. Because, like, it doesn't read like a blue card. Like, the fact that it deals damage to you. Yeah, very strange. Yeah. Uh, yep. Frost Augur. Mm-hmm. It's Scrying Sheets. It is just scrying sheets on a 1-1. One, one. So what does he do? Uh, he's a single blue mana for a 1-2. Oh, I'm sorry. He's a 1-2, not a 1. 
Uh, single blue mana for a 1-2. He's a snow creature, human wizard. And you can pay a snow mana and tap it. Look at the top card of your library. If it's a snow card, you can reveal it and put it in your hand. So this finds all of your snow lands. It finds Ascendant Spirit. It finds Jorn. There's some other cards that are coming up that we're going to talk about that it finds. It's basically, if you build your deck correctly, it's one mana draw card. It's slow for Constructed, but it is a really powerful effect. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it'll see Constructed play. but I mean, I think it it depends how strong Snow ends up being. This is true. Like, yeah, if you're... If you play four of these and you just get to like draw an extra turn, a card every turn for a banana, well, like then that's I mean, great. not only that, like there's a bunch of stuff that cares about having like a, a number of snow permanents. Yeah. So like at some point, if your payoffs are good enough, you just need snow permanents. And Jorn untaps this. You get to do it twice a turn. Yeah, you just get to do it twice a turn. It untaps the mana and this. Jorn seems busted. We just keep going back to that. But... Jorn seems pretty good. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's the first deck I'm going to brew up. All right. So next is Glimpse the Cosmos. Mm -hmm. One in the blue for basically anticipate, but it's sorcery speed. So look at the top three, put a card in your hand, and the other's on the bottom. Yep. And where this gets interesting is if you have a giant, you can cast it from your graveyard for a blue. A single blue mana. And then you so have to you exile to, it. Yeah. So you get to anticipate twice for a total of three mana. Yeah. This card is like solely dependent on are there enough giants? Right. Or enough well, good giants. I know we are, we're living in different times now, but anticipate has certainly seen play. It has. Now, I know this is slow anticipate, but anticipate has certainly seen play. And you have like Bone Crusher Giant. I mean, that is, like, the best giant. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know, like, what is the uh, tectonic, whatever, the 3-4 that, like, you either look at the top two or you deal three to your opponent when it attacks? Yeah. Like, that might be the next best giant? Maybe. Like, it, it's really, like, anticipate by itself is probably not good enough. Yeah. And the additional Giants Clause makes this good enough, but there have to be enough good Giants around it? I don't even know that there have to be, though. Like, if you just play, like, Bone Crusher Giant is certainly not an embarrassing card. No. And this can just hang out in your graveyard until you find a Bone Crusher Giant. Or this that's can fair. find a Bone Crusher Giant. That's like, fair. it's not like you have to do it all in one turn. Yeah, that's fair. It can just sit there until you play your Bone Crusher. Yeah, like, but, like if you play a Bone Crusher on like turn six or something, and then look at the top, you know, six cards of your library and pick two. Like that seems pretty good. Like if you just got two of these hanging out in your graveyard. Yeah. All right. So this next one is on here because Sam Black talked about it. So what is this one? Uh, this is Graven Lore. It's three blue blue for a snow instant. Scry X, where X is the amount of snow mana spent to cast this spell, then draw three cards. So I think I described it when you first brought it up as like, it's a bad dig through time. It is a bad dig through time, but right. like dig through time's busted. So yeah, like bad dig through time good. The, th the five mana draw threes, we've seen a couple of them mm -hmm. and they've not seen a ton of play. Like, yeah. there was a while when the, um, what was that mechanic that was an instant, but you had to cast it on your turn 
to get some extra uh, effect. Adamant. Adamant. Right. The adamant draw three mm-hmm. got played like yeah. you know at sorcery speed, so you could sc- scry three and then draw three. Yep. Right. And it like felt awful as like the not control player. Right. Having them do that. The fact that this is just this effect all the time, and it's basically just asking you to like play some snowlands. Yeah. Like and, there's like, no downside here. This could be the glue that would hold together any kind of like traditional draw go blue white control deck. Oh yeah. Right? Where you're like where you're two colors and you're playing like, you know, ten basic lands. Mm-hmm. You know, you're playing your know, four temples, your four flip lands, and Fabled Passage, and then Snowlands. Yeah, a bunch and, of Snowlands. Yeah, and then you cast this, and you, you know, scry five, draw three. Whew. Like, if you don't win the game from that... Yeah, you made like, mistakes. You made mistakes. Like, your deck's bad. Yeah. Right? You're just like, oh, I get to pick the best three cards out of my top five or like I want two of these and spin the wheel on a random. Right. Right. Or these are five lands and get three fresh cards. Yeah. Like and at instant speed where you can just like hold up interaction until, you know, and then just play this whenever like, Oh, you didn't do anything. Yeah. Like think about, okay, I'm going to refill. Yeah. Think about how punishing chemistry's insight was in those, Mm -hmm in the blue white control games where you were like, were like you had to play a card on four to make them answer it. So they couldn't chemistry's insight. Yeah. Right. This control ga- games were all about just, are they going to cast chemistry's insight? And this just seems like, so like it's so much more. I know it's one more mana, but it's just so much more in terms of like what it does, what it does. Where, like, you know, you can't just not do something on five. Right. Like, you have to do something. Or they just, like, bury you on turn five. Yeah, I mean, if they resolve this and scry four, like, you're done. Yeah, she's like, oh, okay, cool. I guess I'll go away now. Yeah. So, no, I think it's it's good. Like, and if you're playing a lot of Snowlands, like, it's just, on some level, it's just, like, Demonic Tutor. Okay, what card do I want? I mean, it's pretty close, too. Yeah, let's go find it. So, yeah. all right. Yeah, I always tend I tend to perk my ears up when Sam Black's, you know, mentions a, a card a in particular card. that, yeah, like well, especially one that like nobody else is talking about. Yeah, like, it gets my attention. Yeah, this could just be like I said, what holds together a control deck. Yeah, this next card is either a complete and total meme, or it's like good. Is that why Dunford wants to hear about this? Maybe. I don't know where he falls on the <laughs> meme scale, but Mystic Reflection? Yeah. This is a one and a blue for an instant. It has foretell for a single blue mana. And it says, choose target non-legendary creature. The next time one or more creatures or planeswalkers enter the battlefield this turn, they enter as copies of the chosen creature. So this card has, like, two, like, play patterns. Yeah. Right? You, like... Make your opponent's planeswalker or creature that's coming in bad. Yep. Because it, you know, you have a copy uh, yep. something. You make their Uro one of your human tokens from your Lovestruck Beast. Or, yeah, or you make your uh, their Ugin a human token. Yeah. yeah. 
And this also then has the other play pattern of you play a raise the alarm or something that makes multiple tokens. Yeah. And you have those tokens come in as something good. Right. So you're like, oh, cool. I'll target my, I'll target my whatever. And then I'll play uh, forbidden friendship and I'll get two of those. Mm hmm. It can do multiple creatures because those creatures are coming into play at the same time. At the same time, yeah. So, also this like really hoses like a Genesis Ultimatum. Oh yeah. They cast Genesis Ultimatum, then you cast this, and they get to draw the cards, but they can't put any of them into play, <laughs> or they just become whatever you like, you know, copied. So like a seven mana draw five is still really good, but yeah. not nearly as good as a seven mana draw five put them in the battlefield. Right. So I don't know, like it, it could do some interesting, fun things. I wouldn't but, be surprised to at least like see this pop up in sideboards. Yeah. You know, oh you're playing against like the Ugin ramp deck. Okay, cool. You got the eight yeah. mana? Have two two. Good right. talk. Yep. Alright. This next card is just a wall of like semi random text. I don't know. I it's, Yeah, honestly like I'm going to be like completely honest here. This is my hot take and uh, I'm probably going to catch some flack for it. But when I looked at this card, I'd never even bothered reading it because it just seemed like something that would never be good. Okay. So we're talking about, what is this? Orvar, the all form. Yeah. Three and a blue for a three, three legendary yep, creature shapeshifter. Yeah. It has changeling. So it's all creature types. And it says whenever you, and I'm reading this for the first time right now. <laughs> okay. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, if it targets one or more permanents you control, create a token that's a copy of the of one of those permanents. When a spell or an ability an opponent controls causes you to discard this card, create a token that's a copy of target permanent. There you go. First impressions. So, I don't know what this card does. What's it do? <laughs> Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, if so, it targets, like, it can't be good because I can't figure it out. It's right? like Super Feather, right? So you play this and then you cast, uh, oh, what's it called? Defiant Strike on one of your creatures. Okay. When, you, when you target that creature, you make a copy of that creature. So you play oh. your 10th Street Legionnaire or whatever. Yeah. And you're like, and you have this out, and you're like Defiant Strike, and, and you get another one. You get another one. So anytime you cast a spell, you're casting clone on that permanent. Huh. May I interest you in a cleansing wildfire? Yeah. Because you copy the land, then you destroy it, and you get another land. So this plus cleansing oh, wildfire is ramp spells. It's any permanent, not just creatures. Yeah, any permanent, not. Now, like, the legendary rule still applies, right? So it's not like you can just, like, be like, I'll tap my Ugin and get, like, two Ugins. This is such a weird card. Yeah. Like, it... And then the, the weird discard text, like... Yeah, that seems super random. Your opponent pluses their lily. You discard this and you copy a lily. Yeah. And now you have a lily and you plus your lily. <laughs> It's a lily off. Yeah, the weird obstinate Bailoff text, like, I don't know. It seems yeah. it seems like you, you could do something fun with it. It yeah. also seems like 
it can't do anything in constructed. Yeah. It it I mean it seems like a meme. Yeah, and the fact that like I, I don't think you that you can play it like seriously. Yeah, like, like the fact you, that you're gonna have fun and do the thing, but like feather like feather worked because you could like protect it and get its effect. Yeah. This yeah. like if you target this, you don't get a copy. So you're like, I wanna protect this and you don't get anything for it. Right. I mean, I'm sure that it would like be a fun commander. Mm-hmm. Like you play it and then you target it and you get a copy of, well, you, you play it and then you target something else and you get a copy. Yeah. But I don't know, like you can't really get like a head on mana because you had to like spend the mana in the first, in the first place to cast the thing the first time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. It seems very, really weird. All right. Now we're on to black. Now we're on to black. Um, first up in black, we have Rise of the Dreadmarn. Uh, this is two and a black for an instant. It foretells for a single black mana and says create X two two black zombie berserker creature tokens where X is the number of non-token creatures that died this turn. Like this card seems like wrath insurance, right? Yeah, it definitely does. Do you think it exists just because we have Doomscar? Maybe. Imagine how busted this would be with Cat Oven. Well, I mean, that's where I was going to go next. Is this in like a an aristocrat style deck? Yeah, where you just sack a bunch of stuff, play this, yeah. get a bunch more stuff to sack. Yeah, sack a bunch more stuff. Yeah, no, I think it. I think its main purpose is like wrath insurance, where mm-hmm. you're like a black aggressive deck, and you go like one, two, three. And then on turn four, you could hold this up if they cast uh, Shatter the Sky or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it gets you creatures for your creatures and for their creatures if they died. Right. So, yeah. like, it I lets you rebuild quickly. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't think you want to, like, foretell this on two if you're, like, a black aggressive deck. Because that's way better for you to, like, actually, you know. Right. Play a two drop. Play a two drop, yeah. Yeah. What about, do you remember that deck that you were playing a little bit in Pioneer, that white-black Zombies Rally deck? Oh, yeah. This is pretty sweet for that, though, right? Yeah, like you just sack all your stuff and get a bunch of more zombies? Well, you sack all your stuff, rally it back, sack it all, pay a single black mana, and then you get, you know, some giant zombie army that you get to sack? Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. And it wouldn't go away. Right. Good times. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's an interesting card. I think it's something that'll do, like in a specific deck, it'll do something powerful. Mm-hmm. But it is a lot of like moving parts to get that powerful thing. Yeah. I think the simplest thing is like, you know, turn four, fertile it, and just look at your opponent and go like, all right, cool, wrath my board. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put six more power out here. Right. Your move. Yep. That's another thing. That if you have this in your deck... And then you mm-hmm. have, like, another foretell card. Yeah. Right? Now, like, if you foretell the other card, they have to think it's this. And they're like, do I want a Wrath? What if yeah. he has that card? Oh, no. Maybe I have to wait a turn until I have a Counterspell or something. Yeah, see, those mind games are a lot more fun in person, though, than on Arena. Very true. Very, very true. What is this next guy? This is Varagoth Bloodsky Sire. He's two and a black for a two, three demon rogue legendary. He has death touch and he boasts for one and a black 
So I think this is the first boast card that we've talked about today. Mm-hmm. Boast, you can only activate once per turn and only if the creature has attacked. So his boast ability is target player searches their library for a card, shuffles their library, and puts that card on top of it. So it's a vampiric tutor. Yes, on a 2-3 body. On a 2-3 death toucher. How relevant is vampiric tutor right now in standard? <sighs> I don't know. Like, I think it would be good. Mm-hmm. But, like, on some level, that vampiric tutor costs... The first one costs five mana. Yeah. And that's not good enough. Mm-hmm. Right, like, you're not going to play, like, a 2-3 death touch in standard. Right. And, like, I think this card only starts to really pay for itself if you get the second activation. Mm-hmm. And how many times is that going to happen? Oh, probably not. I mean, you're, I don't think your opponent could just let you connect. No, they but, can't just, like, go no blocks. But see, like, Boast doesn't have to deal combat damage either. So yeah. you could... Right, like, you could attack and do it, but, like, what are you getting that, like, really changes the game that much? Another one? <laughs> just string them together? Yeah, I mean, why not? Well, I mean, then, like, do you, is that what you want to draw? Like, I guess you get to pick what you yeah. draw the next turn. Yeah. And it depends on the board, but... I don't know, it seems slow. And, like, not that impactful. Like, if it went in your hand, if it was Demonic Tutor, then we're cooking so, with gas. I mean, it's a rogue. Does it fit into the rogue's deck? I don't know. Like, the ones that have Loris, no, because, like, it just makes them, like, not right. play Loris. Yeah. So is this, like, better than, like, Loris? Yeah, probably not. Probably not. Yeah. Next right. up. I, I just thought it was an interesting interesting oh, yeah. talking point. It's it is. not I an think, ability that we see that often. I think it is. It's just, like, those kind of cards don't get to get played. Yeah. So. Yeah, you're I'm probably sure. right. Yeah. All right. Next up. Tundra Fumeral. We talked about this last week. One red red for a snow sorcery. Deal four damage target creature or player. And you get a colorless mana for each snow mana uh, paid to cast this spell. Uh, creature or planeswalker. Creature or planeswalker. I'm sorry. Creature or planeswalker. Yeah. And you get a snow mana. You get a colorless mana for each snow used to cast Tundra Fumeral. So mm-hmm. this can be like a free spell, mm-hmm. but it kind of filters your colored mana into colorless mana. Right. So you have to have something to do with that. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, it's just free. Free removal spell. It's probably good. We already talked about how it can, with Jorn and like a little bit of help, like you can turn for an Ugin with this. Because you get to yeah. float that three colorless mana through phases. Right. If you set up your your deck to be able to use that colorless mana, it just ends up being free. Like, yep. even a turn, like, it sounds, like, innocuous it, of, like, Tundra Fumeral, your thing. Mm-hmm. Play Solemn Simul- Simulacrum. Oh, yeah, that's great. Like, that's a great turn. Right? Yeah. That's, like, all a big red deck wants to do. Because then you're like, cool, I get to cast my Goldspan Dragon next turn. Yep. 100% I'm Goldspan Dragon to you. Yeah, seems Great. awesome. Yeah, so like something like that where you get to use that mana effectively, I think it makes mm-hmm. this card really good. Yep. No, I think you're 100% right. I didn't even think about this with uh, Solemn Simulacrum. That yeah, sounds like, like an awesome use. Or even like, uh, what's it called? Maze Mind Tome. 
Oh yeah, yeah. That You're too. like you get to like tome and activate if you have yeah. four mana. Great, awesome. Like just everything a big red deck wants to do. Yep. All right. Next up, the best prey upon ever. Yeah, Blizzard Brawl. It's a single green mana for a snow sorcery. Oh, that's another thing that's kind of important, and why I included that Frost Augur okay. in our discussion here is that both, like the Tundra Fumarole and the Blizzard Brawl, are both snow. So he can find like things that aren't just creatures or lands because yeah. they have these snow snow spells. But anyway, Blizzard Brawl is a single green for a snow sorcery. Choose target creature you control and target creature you don't control. If you control three or more, more snow permanents, the creature you control gets plus one, plus zero, oh, and gains indestructible to the end of turn. Then those creatures fight each other. Best prey upon ever. Yeah, it's awesome. If the mono green food deck survives like this this standard right if that is a deck that gets played in standard next season yep. right after this is 100 percent of four of in that deck oh yeah and they just take out all their forests and they put in snow forests yep and then they just like wreck people with and go yeah just like okay cool eat your thing oh cool redain Cool two yeah. three snow <laughs> hate card. I'll play my land tapped and I will eat it with my two drop. And yep. then I will hit you for four. Yep. Your move. Cool turn three, bro. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. So yeah, this card is like really pushed and is going to be something that we'll see play in those green decks. Yeah, I think so too. I mean I wouldn't be surprised if it saw play not in just the green decks also. Like whatever this snow deck is, whether it turns out to be, you know, Sultai Jorn or whatever. Like, I mean, this is just a powerful removal spell. It doesn't even matter that it's a sorcery. It's one mana and it gives your thing indestructible so you can crash in. I mean, our boy Jorn needs to get through some combats. He does, yeah. Right. So and you're like, seems like a great Jorn, way to do it. Eat your three drop. He's indestructible. Play a three drop. Attack. Yeah. Untap my stuff. Play a four drop. Ooh, gives me chills, buddy. Yeah, like, yo, I just spent eight mana on my turn four. Good tuck. Yeah. What did you do on your turn four? You played four mana worth of stuff? Aw, I'm sorry. Aww. <laughs> sorry. Now I'm going to cast this, like, uh, Graven lore on my Graven next lore. turn to fill my hand back up and then get in with my boy Jorn again. Yep. All right. Next up is... A card that feels misplaced. Yeah, it's really weird, and it's probably not good, but like, there's a couple weird things going on here I just wanted to touch on. Um, this is Fing Finn the Fangbearer. It's one and a green for a 1-3 legendary human warrior. It has Death Touch, and it says, whenever a creature you control with Death Touch deals combat damage to a player, that player gets two poison counters. So it's not Infect. It's just poison, like way old school poison, like Marsh Viper poison. Yes. But like we've had some really strange death touch cards lately. Like what what was that snake from Core 21? The hooded death fang or whatever? That like uh that like whenever something attacked with death touch, like they lost a life and you gained a life. Yeah. Yeah. 
like what's up with all these really weird death touch cards so strangely enough i've heard people talking about like oh this is like a cool death touch commander like i i apparently don't understand commander at all because it just seems like everything just like oh well if you want to play like your all death touch deck this is your commander (laughs) oh if you want to play your all like smurfs deck this is your commander Oh, if you want to play your all like double strike deck, this is your commander. I'm like, dear God, like everyone just wants like a commander for every mechanic. Yeah, I don't know. If you want to play your all flanking deck, may I introduce you to this guy from Visions? <laughs> uh, it's like, what? Why? Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think the. I mean, this didn't strike me as a death touch commander, although I guess it. There's no reason it couldn't be. But... Yeah, I mean, I get green black like death touchy deck yeah. like i think the biggest problem is like you're on the infect plan and then this guy dies <laughs> you're no longer on the you're infect no longer plan. on the infect plan you're like it's the creatures still deal the damage and give the counters right when a player when a creature yeah. you control yeah. so it would deal the damage plus yeah it doesn't replace it like infect yeah so you could still be on the normal damage plan i guess like, I don't know, like, slap an Embercleave on this guy? Give him double strike? Get four poison counters? Yeah, get in there. I don't know, it seems strange. It does. It I was think... just weird. It just kind of struck me as weird that we're getting all these really, like, oddball death touch payoffs. Where, yeah. like, that's not a thing that typically happens, you know what I mean? Yeah, again, I don't know, like, you know, in the, like, magic online survey, if a bunch of people were like, I want to play Death Touch Tribal. And they were like, screw it. Sure. Here you go. Sure. Here you, you go. Do you, buddy. Knock yourself out. Yeah. I think Here's an mo- uncommon from Kaldheim. I think the most interesting thing is that this guy plus Voron Clicks is just kind of like, you know, they're Phyrexians oh. around. Yeah. Right? Like, like this kind of feels like it is like a... Well, I guess he has Coma's Fang. So Coma should really be like giving infect tokens. Touch. Or yeah. yeah, I don't know. But like it, it feels like it's very much like Phyrexian stuff. Yeah, yeah. That great. I mean, like, maybe when we get back to Phyrexia, Death Touch will have replaced infect, and mm-hmm. we get more stuff like this. Or like we get like uh, venomous. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. That's a mechanic that's on literally one card. Venomous liver. <laughs> Thank you, Future Sight. Yeah, the fixed infect. All right. Next card is In Search of Greatness. We talked about this at great length before. I we think did. Mana doubler or mana enhancer. Yeah, there was like one thing that I don't think we touched on that I don't know if it's relevant or the right way to build it or whatever, but this counts any permanent. So. Like, you can always put a one-drop into play. You can. Because you're, you're going to have a land. Mm-hmm. Like, how many one-drops do you have to put into play before, like, this has paid for itself? Like, two when it's paid for the cost of the card, but how many beyond two is worth a card? Well, I think that, like, if you go, like, this into, like, one-drop, three-drop, right? Then yeah. you put in a four-drop, then I think it's paid for itself. Yeah. Right, but, like, I don't know how many, like, one drops you kind of have to, like, throw into the meat grinder where you're like, one drop, attack you. 
Well, I mean, think about like think about elves though. Like you're running I don't know, at least 12 one drops. Mm-hmm. And you want to flood the battlefield with them. But you can only put in like one one drop once. Then you have to put oh, in a two drop. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to go up the ladder. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so, it makes it kind of weird. Yeah, so it's not like so, you can just have a deck. You could go like, you could go, you know, Llanowar Elf, Elvish Clan Caller, Elvish Arch Druid. Yeah. Beast like, Whisperer. if you went like Elf, like, Llanowar Elf into this, and then your turn three is Elvish Clan Caller, Heritage Druid, not Heritage Druid, yeah. uh, uh, whatever the guy is, the three drop Lord. Yeah, right, like, sure. yeah, but is that better than just having played Clan Collar on two? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So, again, I think this is a card that like can do powerful things if like I think the draw and the, if the draw lines up and there's a deck built around it. Yeah. All right. Next card: Snakeskin Veil. Mm-hmm. Green instant. Put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control. It gains hexproof until end of turn. So this is a strictly better Ranger's Guile. Yes. Because the counter sticks around. So that's good. I also think that these kind of cards just get played. Yeah. This also strikes me as like, again, if a green food deck is still Mm -hmm. a deck... Yeah. Right. This is like a sideboard card in that deck. Mm-hmm. Also, like the green white like enchantment deck. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, if it needed another way to protect a champion. champion. Yeah. It has that. You could play this along with that weird octopus thing we were just talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Warbar. Like protect my protect my uh, champion. Get another champion. Yep. One more thing that I saw rumblings of, but didn't like I never stuck around to see it fleshed out was people were talking about this alongside the dragon. Mm-hmm. Goldspan dragon. Yep. Because if, if we go to kill it, you get a treasure. And then when you target it with this to protect it, you get another treasure. Yes. So you're you end up like way ahead. Yeah, like if you're like, if you just don't want the gold span dragon to die, this is a good way to just keep it around. Yeah. But like, I guess we don't have God's willing anymore. That's gone. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this is probably the best way to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I definitely think that like gold span, and then use this for protection is like a reasonable thing. Yeah. And I mean, there's also stuff with counter synergies. We came from Ikoria, so there's plenty of stuff with counter synergies. And like we mentioned earlier, we still have the the Conclave Mentor, I think. Yeah. The doubles counters. Yeah, so there's a lot of things to do with it. Or like in like historic, uh, like Winding Constrictor. Yep. Yeah, like, that too. Yeah, like oh, you, yeah, this is great in that deck. You're like Winding Constrictor, play this. Like your turn three is Constrictor this. Yeah. If they try to kill your Constrictor, you just make it huge. Right. And then you go from there. You're just like, oh, I made a four or five. Cool. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out after that. Yeah. I made you, I counted your removal spell and I have a four or five. Good luck. Yep. Seems good. All right. Now some gold cards. Yep. And this first one I asked for, and yep, it's a ba- battle of fo- frost and fire. 
a nod to George R. R. Martin. Uh, <laughs> so three red blue for a saga. Yep. And chapter one is when it enters the battlefield, you deal four damage to each non giant creature in each planeswalker. So it's pretty good. If as long as there's not a bunch of giants running around, right? right this is like five mana, like kind of sweep up the board in blue red. Is it Storm's um, Wrath? Storm's Wrath, yeah. One more mana for Storm's Wrath, but it has the benefit of being a permanent, so that lets the Sky Doodle blink it. It does. Then you get to Scry 3, which is a whole lot of Scries. Yeah, Scry 3 is like, I mean, it's approaching a whole card. Yeah. And then the next one is whenever, you, the last chapter is whenever you cast a spell with convert a mana cost 5 or greater, uh, this turn draw two cards and then discard a card so that's pretty good yeah so my first thought is like i just keep thinking about like niv to light in his in pioneer and they were playing some like pretty like sketchy raths just because they were two colors just well a lot of times you're just playing like you know what was the what's the five mana like a deal a bunch of damage to all non-bolus planeswalkers. Oh, uh, our devastation. Our devastation. Like they're playing that, which you can't hit off of Niv. Right. Like this gives you a thing to get with your bring delight, plus mm-hmm. a thing that you can hit off of Niv. Yeah. It doesn't kill Niv. Right. If this is right. if this is out and the third chapter goes off, casting Niv triggers it. Yeah. Casting bring delight triggers it. Yep. Right, so yeah, it seems pretty sweet. Yeah, so like it just seems like it fits well into like that deck, and I think in any kind of like Yorian deck, mm-hmm. you know, maybe we'll have a uh, Jeskai battle Yorian something <laughs> uh, as our new Jeskai Yorian deck. Yeah, right. who knows? Yeah, but this card seems like it has a, a good home, and just being mm-hmm. able to like blink Yorian, blink with Yorian, and just like you know your opponent. If you have a Yorian, you're like, play this, and they can't play a creature the next turn right. that dies to it because you're just like, okay, cool, Yorian, blink it again, kill your thing. Yeah. And they're just like, oh my god, I just never get to go anywhere. Because mm-hmm. right then Spinning it's wheel. yeah, you're just like, you can't play anything that has less than five toughness because I'm just gonna keep blink, I'm gonna blink this over and over. Right, and then like the scry sets up your. CMC five or greater too. It finds yeah. your Niv or whatever. Yeah, it finds whatever you need. Yeah, or your Yorian, I guess. Yeah. All right. Next one. Yeah, this is uh, the serpent that you were just talking about. It's a Coma Cosmos Serpent. Three green, green, blue, blue for a legendary serpent. It's a six, six. This spell can't be countered. At the beginning of each upkeep, create a three, three blue serpent creature token named Coma's Coil. And then you can sacrifice another serpent. And you get to choose one. There's two different abilities. The first is tap target permanent. It's activated abilities can't be activated this turn. And the second is coma cosmos serpent gains indestructible till end of turn. Normally, I wouldn't have put a card like this on our list or in our episode because this is probably just meant for commander. But we had a question earlier about a payoff for some sort of blue-green ramp deck. And... I believe this is a better payoff than that card. Yeah, I mean, the fact that you can 
you get a 3-3 as soon as you go to your opponent's upkeep. Right. Is big. Yep. Also, it says permanent, right? So you can use, you can sack your Comus Coil to turn off another Planeswalker for a turn. Yeah, you can turn off an Ugin or whatever. Or a land. Yeah. So, like, that's a big deal. Yep. Um, and the fact that it can't be countered, you just know it's going to resolve. Yeah, as long as this lasts until, like, your opponent's upkeep, like, you're going to at least, at the very least, be able to protect it. Yeah. And then from there, you know, build an army, turn off their stuff, whatever you need to do. And, like, 6-6 six, six is big. It is big. Yeah. Um, it go on rumble. Yeah, so... You're like, oh, this might just be a commander card. And it's like, oh, how many just might be a commander card? <laughs> like ruined formats. Well, I, I don't think this yeah, has I don't the think potential it's for ruining a format. But I agree. I, I could definitely see it as some sort of ramp payoff for sure. Yeah. It's no, hard I, to kill. 100%. Like, I agree. Like, it, yeah. it's definitely something that like you could ramp into and not be embarrassed. I mean, you could even play this like as your, you know, your finisher for some sort of like bant control ramp deck yeah i think you'd be fine all right next one this is this is at my wheelhouse it does oh i'm super excited i am super excited about this card i'm glad i'm not the only one all right like i haven't heard anyone else talk about this either so yeah narfi betrayer king three blue black for a four three legendary snow creature zombie wizard that's a mouthful. Add uncommon. So right. think all this text I'm going to read you is add uncommon. Yep. Other snow and zombie creatures you control get plus one, plus one. Okay. Snow, snow, snow. Return Narfi, Betrayer King, from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. Excellent. I'm in. May I introduce you to Prized Amalgam? Uh-huh. Uh, and may I also, I'd have to introduce James, but his boy, Bomat Courier. 100%. <laughs> um, or just like general self mill shenanigans, yep. like usually having a, like a, a mana cost is not the best for these, but things like Haunted Dead and a Citrus Supplier, like they let you discard cards, which was nice for the Graveyard Synergies. I mean, but, sometimes, sometimes you just ran out of cards to discard, yeah. though. But like the the fact that they had like a, a, a an activated ability to get them yeah. back was fine, yeah. right? Like because they usually brought with them a bunch of prized amalgams. Yep. And like this makes all your prized amalgams bigger. Oh yeah. So it, you're like snow stuff too. Like there's a ton of relevant snow stuff. Like our boy Jorn. Yeah. And the one drop blue guy that I ascendant spirit yeah, and the other blue guy, the frost auger. Yeah. Like there's, there's a lot that he can do. Like this is a lot of text on an uncommon. Yeah. I, I definitely thought this card was a rare. Yeah. I did not think it was an uncommon. Yeah. Um, also like the activation is instant speed. Mm-hmm. Like he enters tap. So he's not going to be a blocker, but you can like bring him back in the middle of combat to pump your dudes. Or hold up interaction, and then if you don't need to interact, you bring this guy back on the end step. Yeah, like, I don't know if this, like, this is, like, a very sticky kind of threat, right? Like, yeah. you know, in in a simpler time, like, you mm-hmm. can almost see this being, like, a control finisher. 
where there's like two, you play like two. Yeah, like that's a whole nother argument though, because like you don't even need to be black or blue to play this. Like yeah. you could be mono green self mill and run this thing and be perfectly happy. Yes, and just be like, cool, I have my guy. Yeah. All right. How do you feel about two mana draw twos? Um, I'm fine with two mana draw twos. All right, cool. The three seasons. Two okay. is a very nice hotel. Uh, <laughs> it's one less season than four seasons. I don't exactly. know how nice it is. Is this next to the um, landscape the total, place? The landscaping. Maybe that was yeah. the name of the adult bookstore. The three seasons. Oh, okay. Yeah, the four three seasons. seasons. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's uh, green, blue for a saga. Mm-hmm. Chapter one, mill three cards. Oh, you could mill an Arfie with it. You could mill an Arfie with it. Yeah. Chapter two, return up to two target snow permanent cards from your graveyard to your hand. Ooh, so this gets a Jorn. And it gets and a it, land. And a, yeah, it gets a land. It gets Ascendant Spirit. It gets two lands. Like, it gets two lands? Like, if your deck is a pile of snow things, yeah. this is just two mana, draw two cards. Yeah. And then... Although, I mean, it's a little bit better than draw two cards because there's some portion of a scry in there, too. Yeah, because like you get to pick yeah. what cards you want. And then you have the last chapter is kind of awkward. It's mm-hmm. choose three cards in each graveyard. Their controllers shuffle those cards into their uh, into their libraries. Yeah, so I it's, mean it's only kind of awkward because you're you're like kind of emptying your graveyard with the second chapter, or not yeah. emptying it, but you're cherry picking it. But then the third chapter gets to shuffle back your opponent's uro, which is yeah. good. That's what I'm it gets an uro. It gets like if they're doing graveyard shenanigans, like if uh, yeah, like you get to like kind of mess up what they're doing with their graveyard. Yeah, see, this is also like right on time too, because it, it comes down on turn two, and then on turn three you bring two things back, and then on turn four, like you get to tuck the euro back in. Yeah, like I was looking at this card as like a large percentage of like Seder Wayfinder. Oh, right. yeah. It's less mill, but more cards. Yeah, like you lose the 1-1 one, one body. Yeah. But you just get to, you know, you like Seder Wayfinder, like 90% of the time, all you wanted it to do was like hit your next land drop and throw some cards in your graveyard. Right. And this is going to like help you hit your next land drop and yeah. throw some cards in your graveyard. Now it's going to take some cards out. But, like, yeah. let's say you're playing, like, you know, a graveyard combo-y kind of deck. Mm-hmm. And you put the, like, you know, you put your card that returns your creatures from your graveyard mm-hmm. in your in your graveyard. This lets you shuffle those back in. Yeah. So it's not all, like, downside. Yeah, but, like, and, like, if all you care about is things in your graveyard, the Seder Wayfinder, you have to trade off, which sometimes isn't that easy. Whereas this goes to the graveyard by itself. Yeah. And it's an enchantment too for like, uh, I mean, I don't know what kind of delir- delirium things you're doing, but enchantments can be harder to get in the graveyard than creatures can. Yeah. So like it does, it does a lot of little things, but like just that, like if it's like, if it is like two mana draw two cards 80% of the time. 
Yeah. Like, that card's really good. Like, think about how good, like, Charter Course was, and you had to, like, attack to set that up. Yeah. And this is, like, draw two cards... Or draw, like, basically two of your best three cards if your whole deck is snow. Right. Right, which is pretty good. Like, that's a four-mana effect. Like, that's Dark mm-hmm. Barkin. Yeah. And this is just two less mana. Right. So, yeah, I think that card is really strong if you play a whole bunch of mm-hmm. uh, snow stuff. Yeah, and it puts your Narfi in the yard. Yeah, so you can yeah. bring him back. Yep. Because you um, can bring your Narfi back in response to the the, the, the trigger. trigger. Yep. So, like, you don't have to worry about shuffling your Narfi. You can just be like, boom, Narfi, you're home, boy. Yep. Here he is. All right. We have some gods? We do. Uh, these were listener, listener requests. Dunford wants to hear about both of these next two. Okay. The first is Turgrid, God of Fright. Three black black for a four or five legendary god. It has Menace. And whenever an opponent sacrifices a non-token permanent or discards a permanent card, you may put that card from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. And then he's a double-faced card because he's a god. For three and a black, it's Turgrid's Lantern. It's a legendary artifact with tap. Target player loses three life unless they sacrifice a non-land permanent or discard a card. And you can pay three and a black to untap Turgrid's Lantern. So, the backside, from what I understand, is a commander win con if you make infinite mana. Yep. Because, like, it gets to untap itself, so you're just like, cool. Yeah, eventually they're going to run out of things to discard or sacrifice. You're like, I make a million mana, and then I just kill the whole table. Right. I think the front side's interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know how to, like... Like, there's enough stuff that, like, makes you, like, sacrifice, makes, like, players sacrifice stuff. Yeah. Do we have a flesh bag in standard right now? Mm, I don't think. Yeah, I, I can't. We had Plague Bearer, but that was, that's not in standard anymore. Yeah. And I think there was a new one that was just printed in Commander Legends. Yeah, I'm but not, I'm not sure if we right. have that. Um, I mean, even something like a Croxa, right? Like if you play oh, yeah. a Croxa, like and they discard something, mm-hmm. right? Like you get if it. they, yeah, if they discard a land, you get the land, and they take three, mm-hmm. right? If they discard a creature, you just get the creature. Yeah, like that seems good. Yeah, um, seems cool. Any, I mean, being five, like it's kind of hard because, like, what's their hand gonna be? Right. So unless you have a way to fill their hand back up. Yeah which seems like a dangerous game to play. Yeah. I mean, is there like a prosperity in standard? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if there is either. But I I think that the card is good, but like but when it comes down like what are you getting for it? And like how many ways do you have to make your opponent sacrifice stuff? I guess I don't know offhand. Yeah, I'm not sure how many like, because there's like you know what is it, the was it the, the, thing that was like six mana each player sacks three creatures and you make three food. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Right, like if you got to do that, then like you're doing it, because mm-hmm. like this will when those things get sacked, this will still be there even if it's your only creature, to yeah. see it happen and then you'll get them all. Yeah. 
but yeah i don't know there's a thing in this set that has uh foretell it's like four mana disc each uh each player discards two creatures oh and it foretells for one in the black yeah so like you could set something well. up like that mm-hmm I did like someone who pointed out like if you if your opponent sacks a fabled passage, you just get a fabled passage. Oh yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. So what happens if you and your opponent both have a Turgrid and then you cast that both players sack three creatures thing? You just, just exchange like, Turgrids? <laughs> yeah, I think you just exchange like everyone just exchanges creatures. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take your board, you take my board. Yeah. Oh we have um Oh, what is it called? Fariga's Libation? Oh, yeah. Sacrifice uh, Enchantment. Or... or Creature. Is it Enchantment or Creature? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually not pick... a bad edict. There's two mana, right? There's I think three it's three. Yeah. So it's not great. But yeah, like, I think this is interesting, but I don't know if there's enough stuff around it yeah. to make it work in, con- in Constructed. I think like as a Commander mm-hmm. card, This might be great. fun in like, Historic Brawl, too. Because it yeah. kind of fits right into the Tiny Bones deck. Oh, and uh, isn't there Torment of Hailfire? Oh, in, yeah. In Historic? In Historic, yeah. that's Oh, yeah, this would Torment? That's awesome. Yeah, you're just like, okay, cool. Give me. Give me all those. Yeah. Yeah, you can take nine or I'll take three of your things. Yeah. Even if it's three like, lands. Cool. I rampant growth. Yeah. Awesome. It's like the, the best agent of treachery. Yeah. Give me three lands. Right, especially like those like black decks that play Torment of Hailfire are like just set up to make a ton of mana. Right. So like, you know, if instead of getting to Hailfire for six, you Hailfire for four, but you get to play the Torgrid first. Yeah. That's then awesome. like that's way better. Like all mm-hmm. on the same turn, you're like, cool, I'll generate like sixteen mana. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Next up was another guy we talked we talked about this guy before. We did. We we kinda went into depth about this guy also so yeah. i don't know how much time we're gonna spend on it today but this is a uh, torolf god of fury it's two or two and two red for a five four legendary god it has trample and says whenever a creature or planeswalker an opponent controls is dealt excess non-combat damage torolf deals damage to the damage equal to the excess to any target other than that permanent yeah and then it so has basically, a... he lets you like change chain damage around. Yeah, and then the backside is Torof's hammer for one in the red. It's an equipment mm-hmm. equipped creature has one in the red. Tap unattached Torof's hammer. It deals three damage to any target. Return Torof's hammer to its owner's hand. Yeah, and then the equipped creature gets plus three plus O oh, as long as it's legendary and equipped as one in the red. Yeah, the equipment is not great. It is not great. I don't think I ever play this as the equipment. No, the only the only thing that's good about the equipment is it's a God. It's a six mana deal three. Well, it's a six mana deal three. Draw another deal three. Yeah, but still, it's a six mana deal three that lets you draw another six mana deal three. But it's. Not super right. efficient, but what that does, it gives you a way to, like... Spend infinite mana. Spend infinite mana. Well, you have to have creatures to tap. Right. But oh, yeah. it gives you a way to start your Torolf chain. 
right? Yeah, like that's, that's true. That's what it's there. It's there to kickstart the tour off. Yeah. I think this could definitely be like, you know, the, like, in a big red deck as, like, a two of. Like, the, like, okay. you know, the the four mana slot in the red decks is kind of full with uh Torbrand. Mm-hmm. Right, like this isn't nearly as good as a Torbrand. Right. So but like with a Torbrand, like making all your things deal more damage, mm-hmm. right, then this like pairs really well. Right. It turns all your lightning bolts into uh lava axes that like trample. Yeah. But you don't like I don't know how you like how you would like make that split, like how many Tor brands do I want and how many Tor Alfs do I want and why does everyone's name be Tor? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Right. But like that spot in Red's curve is really crowded. Yeah. And you also have like, was it Leyline Tyrant is a four drop also? And that, is it Tectonic yeah, Giant? Yeah, the Giant. Yeah. yeah. Like that guy, like, there's a bunch of four drops, and I don't know how much better this is than any of the other ones. Right. But it is interesting as, like, an effect that we've not seen before. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's just in a really crowded spot. Because, like, yeah. seemingly all the good, like, red Medium cards are four mana. Stuff. Yeah, it's like four yeah. mana. Yeah. Speaking of four mana medium red stuff. <laughs> So we're changing gears a little bit here. Um, these next cards, we're kind of talking about synergies. Um, we had a couple listeners asking us to specifically talk about synergies, not necessarily cards. So these are all kind of some synergies that I picked out. So these first two are giants. That Obviously, they synergize because they're giants. The first is Calamity Bearer. It's two red red for a 3-4 giant berserker. And says, if a giant source you control would deal damage to a permanent or player, it deals double that damage to that permanent or player instead. So kind of gives double strike, kind of. Like it's not actually two separate sources of damage for like things that care about that, but it does double your damage output. Yeah, like it's a 3-4, it like deals damage like it's a 6-4. Right. Yeah. And then we also have Quakebringer which is three red red for a five four. It's a giant berserker. It says your opponents can't gain life. And at the beginning of your upkeep, Quake Bringer deals two damage to each opponent. This ability triggers only if Quake Bringer is on the battlefield or if Quake Bringer is in your graveyard and you control a giant. And this foretells for two red red. I thought this was interesting because it triggers from your graveyard so you can trade it off. And Calamity Bearer doubles it, right? It should, because it should, should a giant still source. be a, a giant source. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's so. interesting. Like, and, you know, uh, we've already talked. Bone Crusher fits in at the three mana spot. Like, kill their right. two drop, play your Bone Crusher, play your Calamity Bearer, attack for eight with your Bone Crusher. Yeah. And we also talked about. A couple other cards that care about giants like glimpse the cosmos cares yep. about giants that lets you you know draw a bunch of extra cards and your battle of frost and fire it makes like if you're playing giants it's a one-sided wrath yep so oh, i just I guess thought we... that was a 
Oh, go ahead. We also have Rome Cloak Giant. That is a one literal a one sided wrath in white. If you yeah, all, if you're I don't, all giants. I don't know if you want to wreck your mana though. Yeah. Although like, I guess you could be like if you didn't want to play blue, but I think that the anticipates like a strong enough draw to be blue that you don't want white. Yeah. But I just you said one sided wrath. I was like, be, yeah. I was like, oh that yeah. That mana's got to be awful though. It is. Like all the giants are double red, and then you're trying to cast double white spells. Yeah. All right. Then we have some elf synergies. Yeah, the elves. These two kind kind of also go together. Um, we have Scumfar Avenger is one in a black for a three one elf berserker. Whenever another non token elf or berserker you control dies, you draw a card and lose a life. And Elvish Warmaster is one in a green for a two two elf warrior. Whenever one or more other elves enter the battlefield under your control, create a 1-1 green elf warrior creature token. This ability triggers only once per turn. And five green green elves you control get plus two, plus two, and death touch until end of turn. I know they don't combo with each other because one says non-token and one makes tokens, but they both want you to play a bunch of elves. Like one, one is a payoff for playing the elves, and one is insurance if the elves die. Yeah. So, I don't know. There could be an elf deck there. Like, Elves is almost there in Historic. Like, it is. It's pretty close. I um, mean, if you think about, like, Modern, if you're playing, like, Green, Black, Elves in Modern, like, you could see, like, Skimfar Avenger as, like, being a sideboard card. Yeah. Where you bring it in against a control deck because if you get Wrath, you get three cards back or whatever. Yeah. Like Elvish Warmaster, I think, could see play in some of the older formats too. It's like the activated ability is part of an Azuri. Mm-hmm. And there are certainly circumstances in modern where I would like to have more than four Dwinnins elites in my deck. And it- Elvish Warmaster is pretty close to Dwinnins elite, like five and six. Yeah, where you have to wait till the next turn to get the elf, but you do right. get it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you play it on two, you could play it on three and then a one drop and get your elf too. Yeah. Like if you have a um, Heritage Druid and you play like Warmaster, Lanowar Elf, make a guy tap for three mana, play an Arch Druid, like that's pretty good. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I hadn't thought of it as like extra Heritage Druid or Dwinnin's Elites. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Dwinnin's Elites kind of what makes that deck tick. And like I said, there are certainly times where I would rather have, you know, a, another Dwinnin's Elite than uh, Elvish Visionary. Yeah. So, All right. I don't know. Some, something interesting to think about. Now we have two red cards, and I yeah. see how they go together. Okay, how do these two cards go together? So you have Magda, Brazen Outlaw, one in the red for a 2-1. Other dwarves you control get plus 1, plus 0. Oh. Whatever a dwarf you control becomes tapped to create a treasure, so it doesn't have to attack. It could crew a vehicle mm-hmm. or activate some ability. And then you can sacrifice five treasures to search your library for an artifact or dragon card and put that card onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. Okay. So, okay. Once you to make treasures, it's a payoff for having treasures. Right. Goldspan Dragon. Three red red for a 4-4 four, four flying haste. Uh, when it beca- when it attacks or becomes the target of spell or ability, you make a treasure, and all your treasures make double mana. Make, huh. Make, yeah. 
So I wonder Mag- how they go together. I don't know. <laughs> Mag is making your treasures on the on the low end, and yeah. you could, in theory, sacrifice them to go get a goldspan dragon if you don't have one. Right. Or Magda makes you some treasures. You play your goldspan dragon. Then goldspan dragon pays you off by being free. Right. So they they work well together. Where Magda's kind of powering him up in the early game, and then he gets to eat all those treasures and let you do something really big on your turn five. Yep. Again, um, in these mythical, like, big red decks, you know, you're like, oh, Magda, get a couple treasures, Goldspan Dragon, play Nugan. Yeah. Whew. Good talk, everyone. So I just had a really quick thought that's probably terrible, but I thought I'd bring it up here. You kind of piqued my interest when you said that you can tap your dwarves for things other than crewing vehicles. Didn't we just get a new Loam Dryad? We did. So So that kind of combos pretty well with Magda. You get to tap it for a mana and then get a treasure? Mm -hmm. On turn two, right? So like you go like the... I forget what it's called. It's a one mana, one, two with reach. Yeah. That when you tap it, you get to... You can tap it in an untapped creature to make one mana. So you can go like that guy into Magda and you automatically get a treasure. And like it effectively makes Magda free on turn two. So then you can oh, play yeah. another two drop. Yeah, it does make it free. Yeah. If that seems to, pretty good too. If you wanted to go that route, or you could just go like... Also, if you do that, even if you don't spend the mana, the next turn you get the Goldspan Dragon. Mm-hmm. Because like... Oh, yeah. Because you get like the... You, get, you hopefully get your third land. Right. A treasure, a mana from tapping the thing in Magda... And then your treasure. Yep. Goldspan attack. Now you have two treasures. That's four mana. Yeah. So that is like a ridiculous like spend nine mana on two turn uh three. Three. Yeah. Seems uh, pretty good. Draw. You will win every game you do that. <laughs> Probably. I don't know how many other games you will win, but every game you do that, <laughs> you will win. Yeah, I mean you're you're playing Loam Dryad, so. Yeah. But, yeah, and you'll lose every game that your turn five play is Lone Dryad Go. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, so both a treasure generator and then, you know, a thing. They they both generate and pay you off for treasures. They're both, like, self-contained. Yep. So, yes, I think there's definitely the makings of a big red deck. Yeah, I think so, too. There was one other synergy that I wanted to talk about that's not really like self-contained here, but kind of like we were talking about with that weird like death touch thing that's happening is we kind of have like a removal tribal deck happening. Like in this set, we have Sarolf Realm Eater. It's one black green for a three, three legendary wolf. Whenever a permanent an opponent controls dies or is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, put a plus one plus one counter on it. And at the beginning of your upkeep, if Sorolf has one or more plus one plus one counters on it, you may remove all of them. If you do exile each other non land permanent with CMC less than or equal to the number of counters removed. And then we also have like Cheville from Ikoria. Okay, yeah. That like puts bounty counters on things and then you kill the things and you get the draw cards. Mm-hmm. It just seems like a like a strange thing to do to have like things that care about removal. 
and like yeah. things that care about death touch and not that I think it's particularly good. I think like your removal has to be very flexible to make a deck like this work. And I don't know that the removal is that flexible right now, like the efficient removal at least. So I don't know if it's good, but it's weird, right? Yeah. That they keep kind of making these like rock cards. Yeah. So like, can the rock be good now? And it's like you printed all these other cards that make the rock awful. Yeah, you printed Uro. Like, no, rock's not good. Rock can't be good. Oh, you banned Uro? You still printed Kroxa. Rock can't be good. Yeah. All right. So this one is a card I wanted to talk about. It got snuck in at the end. If it went to fit with our uh, with our theme of synergies, the front mm-hmm. side of this card and the back side of this card work very well together. <laughs> they synergize with each other. Yeah, the both sides of the card synergize with each other. Yeah. So, Kosma, God of the Voyage, is a two and a blue for a two four, and mm-hmm. just is a wall of text. So, yeah. at the beginning of your upkeep, you can exile him, mm-hmm. and if you do. It gains whenever you, whenever a land enters a battlefield under your control. If it's exiled, you may put a voyage counter on it. And if you decide not to put a voyage counter on it, he comes back to the battlefield with mm-hmm. a plus one, plus one counter equal to the number of voyage counters on it. Okay. And you draw that many cards. Huh. And now the backside is. I don't know, 70% of uh, Looter Scooter. Yeah. Uh, it's one in the blue for a 3-3 vehicle with crew one. So everything I said there is just dangerous. It has been banned on before. Um, right. And it has whatever vehicle, any vehicle you control, deals combat damage to a player. That player exiles that many cards from the top of their library. You may put lands from among them among those cards, uh, you may sorry, you may play lands from among those cards for as long as they remained exiled. Oh, and that's not tied to this card either. Nope, they get those cards get the ability. So if it just then dies, you still get to play them. Wow. So you hit them with your omen keel, the vehicle. Yep. You get to look at three cards. You exile them. Any lands you can play. So mm-hmm. if you have a Cosma in exile, you're feeding it voyage counters by right. using the vehicle. And then eventually you can bring back your Cosma for a whole bunch of cards. Yeah. So I heard it described on Arena Decklist as like Hydroid Crisis, right? Where, but instead of Hydroid Crisis, right, you ramp, you ramp, you ramp, you ramp, you ramp, you ramp, then you play your Crisis. This, yeah. you play before you start ramping. And then you put right. it away. So, like, imagine a situation where you play this on three, and then you go land, put a voyage counter on it. Yeah. And then you play Migration's Path, put two voyage counters on it. Ooh. Now, the next land you play, you can decide to just have it come back as, at that point, a 5-7. Five, 5-7 seven. Five, seven and draw three cards. And draw three cards. Wow. Cool. All right? And, or, like... You've ramped, and let's say you have a Genesis Ultimatum in your hand. Oh, God. Okay, cool. I'll do that, yeah. and I'll put the lands in play there. Trigger, trigger, trigger. Now I can right. draw some cards. Yeah. Right? Like, this is the... It's kind of backwards, where normally you ramp really hard into your payoff. Mm-hmm. 
This is you play your payoff and then you ramp. Right. And then you get to decide when you like get to use your payoff. Mm-hmm. So like you you already know you've drawn your payoff. If like you get to hide it away on turn three, you're like, cool. Yeah. I know my payoff's there. So like it makes it harder to ramp into nothing. Yeah. And it has the like fun side effect of it blocks for a turn. <laughs> yeah. Right? You're yeah, like, I mean, like four toughness is a lot for like a three drop too. Yeah, so you're like, play my two four. Block your attack, put him away, and then, like, you know, land ramp, and then in a turn, get him back, get some cards, and then have a giant blocker. Yeah. Right? Like, here's my 5 7, your go. Yeah, seems sweet. Yeah. So, and like, the vehicle seems like really strong. Yeah. And the vehicle feels like, you know, you could also just play this vehicle in like a totally different deck. Like just as the vehicle? Yeah. yeah. Right. Again, like that mono blue tempo deck. A two oh, yeah. mana three three is just a beating. Right. And you're just like, okay, here you go. I'm just gonna crew this with like dorky flyers or whatever. Yeah. I mean like rogues might play this just for the mill. Well it like, does just as the only deal. Oh, just to like to help mill them out. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay, cool. I guess we're just going to go on this plan now. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know how close rogues is to being just a mill deck instead of like a tempo whatever, but too close to being just a mill deck. Like I've, not... that's what I mean though. Like, does this put it over the edge of, you know, just being a mill deck? I don't know. Like it's hard. Cause it doesn't like super synergize well with, um, uh... Soaring Thought Thief. Cause right, right. I guess you only need one rogue to attack, right? Yeah. So yeah, like I guess it doesn't matter then. Like if you go like Thieves Guild Enforcer into Soaring Thought Thief, and then you like play this mm-hmm. and you're like crew it with my with my Thieves Guild Enforcer and attack. Right. Yeah, I don't know. It could. Like I've watched I've not played a lot, but I've watched a lot of videos and like the number of times, like it feels like people just lose to like a turn one, um, stupid crab, he drunk crab, or not he drunk crab, whatever it's called, ruin crab. Ruined crab. Yeah, you're just like, oh, like this is awful. Like yeah. you have to like play the game where you fight the mill, right? Plus you fight the the like life total plan. Yeah, and it's just like, oh, I can't do both. <laughs> I guess I lose. Like, yeah. I have eight removal spells, and I have to kill every crab and all these rogues. I, I, yeah. And then they lure us me, and I die. <laughs> so, no, I think this is uh, just a unique way to do a um, uh, a ramp payoff. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just weird that you yeah, play no, it it's first. Interesting. Yeah, like, you just play it first. I think the thing that holds it back is, like, you kind of compared it to Krasis. Mm-hmm. Crisis has evasion. Yeah. Like the Omen Keel definitely wants to connect. It doesn't do anything unless it connects. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have any evasion. And the the god side just becomes like a big idiot. Right. It's like keyword big that draws you some cards. Yeah. But I mean drawing you some cards might be good enough. Yeah, I mean like if 
obviously you can find removal for whatever's blocking it or whatever, and hopefully it gets through eventually. But but even if it didn't get big, right? Imagine if it was just like an uncounterable like draw five. I don't I don't think you can really call it uncounterable though, because you have to you have to resolve it and it has to survive a turn. Yeah, but what I'm saying is is once you hide it away, yeah. you know that it's like that it's going to pay you off and you're not gonna get it countered. Yeah. But you are right that it does have to survive a turn, but right, that could be it it can be a detriment, right? Because it could just get killed. But it could also be like, oh, I get to block a two-two, yeah. Or I hold it holds off an attack for a turn, mm-hmm. and gives you that that turn to get your feet under you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely not like crisis in that, like you know, crisis being a flampler, right? But it does do that thing where it's just like play all your lands. All you want to do is play lands. This is going to like make you make you happy for playing your lands. Yeah, it's interesting for sure. It's definitely a weird design. Also, like, in all those blue-green, like, Tatiova Commander decks. Oh, yeah. Like, this is just, you're just like, oh, I'm going to draw a million cards one of these turns. Oh, yeah. Amazing. <laughs> like, how many cards are in your hand? All of them. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Half my deck. Yeah. I will now discard the hand size. Right. Like, oh, no, Reliquary Tower. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> All right. all right, so that's all the cards that we have. If you have a minute, we still do have kind of two questions that were asked that aren't necessarily tied to cards. Okay. Do you want to touch on them real quick? We can. We... No Butt Rice uh, wants to know, in our opinions, what are the best synergies in this set? I think mine is pretty evident. Um, I've talked about it for like two weeks now. The first deck I'm going to brew is probably Snow. I think the Snow payoffs are super powerful. All of the things that we talked about previously, Jorn, Narfi, um, the Frost Augur, the Spirit, Blizzard Brawl is like a fight spell. Uh, the Three Seasons, like you pointed out, uh, plus the Draugr Necromancer that we talked about last week, mm-hmm. um, I think are all pretty strong reasons to be in Snow. And there's not a whole lot of downside, I don't think. I think the biggest downside for snow is if you play a lot of snowlands, it does become hard to go into three colors. Yeah. But you um, can get around that. Yeah, and I don't I don't think that you have to be hard three colors though. Like you can yeah. definitely be like Simic splashing black for like the backside of Jorn and Dragar Necro and like your front like the only other black card in the deck is probably Narfi that you kind of don't want to cast anyway. Yeah. And I mean, there's also like, you know, you're looking at Sultai, but mm-hmm. there's also like Tetrafumeral and Frostbite and red. Right. Like there might be a green red snow deck. Yeah. Could as be. Well. But no, I think that snow is the thing that is the like energy of this set. Yeah, where there's not yeah I mean, be, it's a block monster. Yeah, there's not going to be a single other uh, like snow card printed right. in any other set. Yep. It's just going to be this. And if this stuff is good enough, right, if it is, if it if it's energy and it's the best deck in the format, it doesn't get any cards added to it. 
right for the as for as long as it's the best deck mm-hmm. now like it probably can't be the best deck for as long as thrones in, in standard yeah but no i agree i think that this is the strongest like synergies from this set of snow i think that yeah. if you look at like the oh what is it called all of the changeling stuff i think we said mm-hmm. before is i think just there to support um the party mechanic yeah and like i wouldn't be surprised if party came back for forgotten realms too yeah like or, now now that we know we have changeling as like some additional support for it yeah or maybe not party but something else that's very like cares about tribe kind of thing yeah so yeah i agree i think that that this the overarching synergy for the set is snow but then you've mm-hmm. got the changelings that are supporting the the party stuff going back yep how playable is fortel yeah mtg agro player wanted to know how playable fortel was i think that the big question you have to ask is like how aggressive the format is yeah. can you just if take you can take the second yeah, turn off can you take turn two off to just do nothing yep. right so i think that like the uh doom scar lets you catch up mm-hmm. right so like you're fine like playing your doom scar right but you know the foretell draw spell maybe not yeah right i think you play the foretell draw spell because it's a reasonable draw spell right. but you're not playing it because it foretells right if you get to foretell it great but you know but if like again if like gruel or like mono green aggro is the best deck mm-hmm. right if you're like taking your turn two and not affecting the board in any way and you're not catching up with doomscar like do you just get rolled yeah probably so like does it work how does that work so yeah. i think that there will be a, a few foretell cards that get played in standard mm-hmm. but i don't foresee there like being like a foretell deck yeah well i, I mean there's not really I don't think any of the payoffs are constructed power level. No. Like all the payoffs for Fortel are for limited. Yeah. And like as far as considering something a Fortel deck, I think some of those payoffs would have to be better. Now, like you said, I do think Fortel will see play, but for it to be a Fortel deck, um, I don't think that's gonna happen. Yeah, so I think that the cards that will with Fortel that will see play are cards that you would play even if they didn't have foretell. Yeah. Right. So like foretell is a nice bonus. It might let you spend your mana a little more effectively, mm-hmm. but standard is usually a format that is like, so hyper efficient yep. and like penalizes you for not using your mana effectively. Right. Right. And so the question is, is, is spending two mana to save two mana or one mana on a future turn is that an effective use of your mana or can your opponent punish you yeah because like imagine a situation where it's like you know one two three you didn't do anything and then maybe you get to kill a thing and then you just get ember cleaved out of the game on four and your foretell cards just sitting there and like you just wasted that mana yeah like you didn't do anything with it they were just like you know 
one drop into you know fervent champion into what's it called um the the rogue guy robert, robert. the rich playing a bone crusher giant or an annex and then like just was like here's an emberclave and you're like oh man i'm so present you emberclave yeah and like you know you're like oh you got to like counter the emberclave you're like oh i still take a million here yeah and i'm not gonna get to use this mana now mm-hmm. so i think if the format's super mid-rangey right or like slower mm-hmm. right then you it get gets to, better it gets better and like i think the the thing that could help foretell is because you're spreading the mana out it's gonna give you a chance to like double spell more later in the game against like a rogues kind of deck Yes. Right? Where you're like, I'm going to play this thing, and they're like, counter it. And you're like, cool. I'm going to play this foretold thing. And I only had to pay two mana, so I got to double spell, and I got to resolve one of these spells. Yep. As opposed to, like, you know, I can't play my four mana draw to because I don't have four mana now. Mm-hmm. I can play a threat and then resolve my draw to and, like, kind of refill and stay in the game. I'm on board. I agree. So... All right, and with that, we have a very long show. We do. Thanks for sticking it out, guys. Yeah. So if you'd like to tweet at us any other cards you think thought we missed or things you're excited about, you can get at us at Casual Tripod on Twitter. Absolutely. You can also hit us up on Facebook at Casual Tryhard MTG or drop us an email at show at CasualTryHardMTG.com. Don't forget if you're looking to pick up any Kaldheim cards, um, they do offer pre-orders. Or you know, if you want to wait a week and order some actual singles, uh, please use our TCG Player affiliate link, tcg.casualtryhardmtg.com. Anything you purchase after following that link will get a cut up to help keep the show rolling. Um, as always, please consider becoming one of our patrons, even if it's only for you know a couple bucks or whatever you can afford. It'll help us to grow the show and help keep it rolling. And hopefully at some point we'll be able to get back into stores and grow our community some. Uh, you can do so at patreon.com slash casual tryhard MTG. Um, also, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I was able to score a whole bunch of Zendikar um, promo pack arena codes. So hop into our Discord, uh, go into the free room or shoot me a message. I'm Greasy Jockey on there. And I can distribute a ton of these things. Um, you're allowed to um, cash in four per account. So hit me up. I'll send you four codes and you can get some sweet packs on Arena. Sounds good. And with that, yeah. we'll catch you on the internet. Catch you on the internet.